turn to Psalm 46, the 46th Psalm, Psalm 46, and I want to read verse 1, and you can be seated after I read. I will be reading some more verses in Psalm 46. Praise God. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Isn't that beautiful? My, what a promise. What a promise. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And you may be seated. I want to speak to you on the subject living in the present tense. Living in the present tense. We just had our district conference, and I don't know that I've ever been to any series of services that did me uh, more good than, than these services. We had Brother Jack Cunningham, Brother Mark Foster, and Brother Paul Lehman. Brother Paul Lehman is from Saginaw, Michigan. Brother Mark Foster was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. He recently has moved to St. Louis where he's assisting Brother Jack Cunningham in our home missions department. And then, of course, Brother Cunningham is our National Home Missions Director, and he was in Newport News, Virginia. But I'm here to tell you the Spirit of the Lord moved in such a great way. Uh, Brother Cunningham has recently made several trips with Brother Billy Cole. Now, most of you know Brother Billy Cole. Brother Billy Cole is uh, one of our pastors. He pastors in West Virginia at this point point I've just it slipped my mind as to what town he's in but he travels all over the world extensively uh, preaching the gospel he was recently in Ethiopia and uh, we now have uh, a near total on what has happened there in one service 200,000 people gathered in to uh, an area <clears throat> was walled off in Ethiopia another hundred another 50,000 pardon me we're on the outside of the wall, about 250,000 people in one service, and over 70,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in one night's time. Praise God. Can you say praise the Lord for that? <clears throat> oh, thank the Lord. You know, <clears throat> it's good to know that you are attending a church that believes that something can happen now. Quite often in counseling, people tell me what their intentions are. And I know that most of us, and we should, have good intentions. But on the other hand, if intentions are all that we have, uh, we always put off doing what we know that we need to do until tomorrow. And the old saying is that tomorrow never comes. <clears throat> And that's just the way it is. Let's talk about living in the present tense. See, all time is described in three tenses, past tense, present tense, and future tense. Time is a way of measuring duration, how long it took for something to occur. That's called time. God has given time to every person. We don't know just how long a time that God has given to us as individuals, but we know 
that it varies because we're not all born on the same day and we don't all die on the same day. And we have various lengths of life. But we do know that during that time, God has promised that He would deal with us. The Scripture tells us, The grace of God that worketh salvation hath appeared unto all men. That God's voice and leading of His Spirit is resident in every man. Now, a lot of people are not aware that it's God that's dealing with them. A lot of people are not aware that God's Holy Spirit is directing them. But God directs all people. Now, that does not mean that their lives are ordained of God, that is, every move that they make, because we also know that God has given us a free will, a choice. And one of the most beautiful things in life is the power to decide or the power to choose. I am here today not because someone called me up and told me that I had to come. I am here today because I chose to come. I started serving the Lord 33 years ago, this April 15th. I started serving God by choice. I did not have to. Uh, God did not come down and handcuff me and drag me to church and uh, make me go Sunday after Sunday. It was not that way. I did it because I saw that I needed to serve God and decided that uh, this was the best route in life to go. There are a lot of people that are alive today that live for tomorrow. And they only live for tomorrow and make little or nothing of today. They live on hope. They live on dreams. They live on expectations. Things are going to be better tomorrow, they say. Then there are others who live in the past. They've had some experience with something that uh, has left an impression upon them. They continue to draw from the strength of the past, and that's where they stay. I want to talk about the past, the present, and the future. More specifically, we want to talk about living in the present tense because this is what is important. Living in the past. I read a story about a child who went with his father to a museum. And, of course, they went through. They saw all the wax figures. They saw all the documents. They saw all the implements of war. They saw the various societies and cultures that have developed through the world. They went into certain places. They saw all of the species of animals and such. They were all in picture form, wax form, or they had been mounted, uh, stuffed, so to speak. Uh, finally, the little boy looked at his dad and said, Dad, is there any place we can go and see real people and see real animals? Well, they ended up at the zoo. And the reason why is because the child... Uh, did not care to see what had happened yesterday. He wanted to see what was happening today. And this is true of a lot of people that that uh, they walk through life uh, with this museum complex. It's uh, some memory of the past, and 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 that's that's basically all all they have. The truth of the matter is, the past is dead. It may live as a memory, and we may have a few artifacts and such. We may have drawn for, from the archives uh, that people have uh, 
preserved, but basically it's, it's gone. It's, it's not here anymore. The things that are placed in museums, they're placed there when they are retired, permanently retired. Uh, people do not go and pull them out and use them anymore. Uh, it has its place in, in, in life because one important factor of preserving the future is to remember the past and take note of it. Many times we can take some good lessons from, from the past. But when this applies to uh, our life with God, it doesn't make any difference what you were yesterday. That is uh, quite as important as what you are right now. That, that's the thing that's important. I've had people come in my office prior to church and, and tell me that they had good intentions. I said, well, why don't we just go out tonight and let's just start afresh. Uh, don't wait until next week. Some people feel that they need to pray and pray and pray, and certainly we, we believe in prayer. We have a, a prayer clock. We're having 24-hour prayer. We also have our fasting in which we take pledges on a weekly basis, and we are fasting 365 days per year. We're believing that God will give us a bright tomorrow. But we also know that it's not what he's going to do tomorrow. It's what he's doing right now. And some people feel that they, if they become spiritual, then everything will be fine. But when will you become spiritual? Well, tomorrow. I intend to get started tomorrow. And it's always tomorrow. That's, that's, that's the way they live. Uh, others, however, look back at the past and... and uh, they, they cling to that. It's just a, just a memory. Uh, I am fairly sentimental, and most of you know that. Uh, <clears throat> there are so many things that, that uh, come up in my mind today that, that just serves as, as uh, just a fond memory. This morning, in prayer, I was reflecting my early days of teaching and preaching. I remember when I took my first class after I received the Holy Ghost, I had a primary class had two students, and they were brothers. And uh, we didn't have any teacher's training. We had little or, uh, or no information given to us. Uh, my pastor just gave me a Sunday school quarterly. The teacher had quit. And he gave me the quarterly and said, you're to teach these two Nats boys. And <clears throat> so I took them in the class. which was just a little classroom. We had some chairs there. Set the two little boys down. Talked to them for an hour about the Bible. Uh, when I look back, I... <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I could have done a lot better, but that's all I, that's, that's all I knew. I just took those two little Nance boys and set them down and, and uh, just told Bible stories and talked to them more on an adult level than I did on a child's level. Now, this was a primary class, keep in, keep in mind. Now, they were rowdy little boys, but, but uh, they sat there. They didn't have much of a choice because... I pulled their chair right up, and I sat right there, and my knees kind of touched their knees. And I looked them right in the, the eye, and every time they, they cast their eyes down, I'd say, Now look up, boys. And I taught them week after week after week. And I prayed a lot uh, about uh, this class. In fact, I got up every morning at 5 o'clock. I was at the church at 6. I prayed, and I sought God. I prayed, and I sought God. I thought this was the most important thing that I had ever done in life, and that was to teach these two boys. Now, we had a Sunday school teacher that operated this way today. 
I would call the teacher aside and I would tell the teacher that we have many, many helps and different uh, uh, sources and such that are, are available for, for uh, children. And I, I've since learned that that's not the way that, that you teach children. <clears throat> but nevertheless, that's the way I did it. And then I left that class and I went to um, a young married couple's class. And I was teaching there. I did not have the knowledge. I didn't know that much about the Bible. Oh, I knew a lot of Bible verses, but uh, there's a lot more to it than that. But I remember going in and, and teaching this class. And then I remember a few times Brother Rutherford coming in a class, and I was teaching this class. Uh, Brother Rutherford is not just a good Bible scholar today. He has been one for many, many years. And here he's in this class. I'm teaching this class. He knows uh, the Greek language. I didn't even know that there was a Greek language at that time. Uh, if someone would have come and asked me, do you know what the original language of the New Testament was? I wouldn't have been able to tell them. If someone would have asked me, do you know what the original language of the Old Testament was? I would not have been able to tell them. I knew the story of Moses and and Noah, and Jonah, and a few things like that. I knew the books of the Bible because I uh, studied it, and, and, and that was basically it. But I did my best. When I look back, uh, I, I remember how God blessed and how the Spirit of the Lord came down. I remember taking a, a youth class in Houston, Texas. I was going to Bible school then, and I remember how the class grew and how God moved in such a great way. Also, I became the uh, visitation uh, director of our church. We call it visitation outreach director. I remember knocking doors and taking young people out. And, oh, we had such a great move of the Lord. On and on and on, things began to develop. I remember my first church, and I remember taking people down to uh, Angelina River and baptizing people by car lights in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Service after service after service. I remember the very spot where we took them. Waded out with a little sandbar and a lot of gravel and, and good clean bottom and baptized those people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember some great miracles that God performed in this little church and how the glory of the Lord rested upon us. You know, there is a reason for some people to to just cling to the past because if you do not keep the present alive, that's basically all you have. When I look at traditional religion, for the most part, <clears throat> uh, in America, traditional religion is as it is simply because people are clinging to the past. I recently purchased a book, or pardon me, I was given a book, and the book is talking about one of the mainline denominations of America, this denomination, several years ago, when it peaked, it had 10.8 million North American members. Within a 10-year period of time, they lost one-half of their congregation to other churches, more fundamental evangelical churches. Uh, the, a minister from this denomination wrote the book, and this is what he says. I don't know that much about the denomination. I'm just telling you what he said. He said, the problem... With our church is that all we know about God is what somebody has told us. 
Our forefathers, for generations, our forefathers have been telling us about the great works of the Lord. You know, Israel reached that point several times in their history where that they had no present tense relationship with God. Everything was in the past. Now, the past has uh, and does play a very important part in, in every man's life. And God constantly reminded them of the past. But He only reminded them in the, of the past in order for, to get them to have faith to believe that the present could be just as productive as any memory that they have had. This uh, minister goes on to talk about his denomination. Uh, he says somewhere uh, at some time, he said we're going to have to get a fresh new touch of God. We can't serve God just out of the past. He went on to state, he said you can come in any of our churches. He said uh, things are conducted the same way they were generations ago. We sing basically uh, three or four hymns. They're placed on a, a little uh, 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 board on the side. Uh, people come in. They, they know we don't need a song leader because we've sung them the same speed, the same tempo. Everything's been the same. He said uh, not only that, he said you go to a funeral. He said you know it's going to be this way. Uh, you can turn to the back of the book and it's printed right there. You have a wedding, a lot of those weddings. You turn the back of the book. It's right in the book. Nobody asks any questions. Nobody needs to ask any questions. The reason why is because uh, that's the way Dad did it. That's the way Grandfather did it. And uh, yet, he said, we go into the books of our history and, and we see that uh, we did have a great past. Uh, great moves of the Lord. The power of God fell. Literally hundreds of people were converted. Sinners turned away from the way. Now it's just people coming to church. No conversions. No boost in attendance. No life. No excitement. No enthusiasm. Nothing's taking place. Nothing's happening. It's just the same old thing over and over and over. And all we have in this church is just a, a lingering uh, memory of a great past. No mention is made of the power of God. The operation of the Spirit. It, it's pretty much all gone. I talked to a man of this denomination. He happened to be my foreman in Longview, Texas. A man by the, <clears throat> by the name of Frank McBride. When I talked with Frank, uh, he was asking me quite a bit about our church and I ended up testifying to him week after week after week. And finally one day Frank said, you know, he said, when I go back and read the writings of the founder of our faith, he said, it is amazing, he said, that how close in lifestyle he was to the Pentecostals today. In fact, if we wanted to know who was the very best example of our faith, we'd go back to him. But the truth of the matter is, None of us try to pattern our service after the way he conducted his service. None of us patterns our lifestyle the way he patterned his lifestyle. We don't have the prayer life that he encouraged our people. All we do is we get together and we read about him. And we talk about the glory days. 
days that go all the way back to the Reformation. And we talk about these, these things. But today, it's just something to talk about. It's really nothing that we experience. So, truthfully, if I wanted to find a good example, uh, the best example that's ever lived that would, uh, would uh, 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 portray uh, uh, one of our people, I'd say, go back to him. But the truth of the matter is, that if we lived like him, we'd probably all be Pentecostal today. Because he, he certainly fits the description of, of the holy rollers, so to speak. Uh, he wept and cried, and when he preached, he preached with such great power that people were literally slain in the Spirit of God. Sinners were converted. In the cities in which he went, the, the, the town black spots, so to speak, were all closed up. The red-letter districts and such... Uh, were all closed up, the red light districts, and, and the pubs were closed, and, and many, 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 many sinners came to know God in the Spirit of the Lord. And uh, he said, it's, uh, we talk about it, we read about it. Uh, not too long ago I conducted some, uh, some lessons in which I reminded all of our young people about our past. But you know the sad part about it is these young people go out of the doors and that's all they have. It's just something that's dead. Just a memory. The, the, the past is dead. And that's the way it is. There are others today that, that live for the future. Some of the uh, <clears throat> more progressive, we call them progressive because that's the term that's used in the world. Some of the more progressive movements, maybe I should say the non-traditional movements, uh, I, I would uh, not hesitate to, to mention some by name. The Mormons are considered to be a very progressive movement. Also, the, the Jehovah's Witness group. Uh, the truth of the matter is that most of their uh, <clears throat> most of, of their uh, doctrine is is really based upon uh, something that's going to take place in the future. I remember a group of Mormon missionaries that came to our church and. So when I opened the Bible and I began to talk to them about receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and I read in Acts the 19th chapter where the Holy Ghost fell on these believers and they all spake with tongues and so forth and so on. I asked him, I said, do you believe that, that believers can speak with tongues? He said, oh, yes. I said, have you ever seen anyone speak with tongues? you ever heard anyone speak with tongues? Oh, no, 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 he said. I said, well, when will this take place? He said, well, we believe that there will be a time in which we will all come into the unity of the Spirit, uh, the unity of the faith. And he said, we believe that at that time that God's going to come down and, and uh, we'll be all speaking with tongues just like they did on the day of Pentecost. Now, this is quite different from most traditional churches because most traditional churches say that that was for the apostles, the people in the upper room, and the people who lived in the days of the Bible. It's all gone away with. Others say it's going to take place in the future. And that's the way it is. The Jehovah's Witness in 1982 lost almost one half of all their members because they had prophecy that the Lord Jesus Christ was going to return at that time. Or maybe I should back up and say, they thought the end of the world was going to come at that time. But uh, it didn't take place then. So people on a wholesale basis walked away. 
What did they do? They just revamped their prophecy and they put it at another date. I think now they have the year 2000 and something set. This is going to be the end of the world. Well, they prophesied that back in 1914. And, and then they went to 1916. And then the, in the days of the Great Depression, in the, in the 30s, they, they prophesied the end of the world. It did not come. But they keep people looking to the future. And they talk about the 144,000, the chosen few that's going to be in heaven. And uh, they talk about all of these things that's going to take place. But uh, there's got to be more to life than just looking out looking back to the past, there has to be more to life than just looking into the future. What about today? Today. You see, I am not living tomorrow. And certainly, even though I have fond memories of the past, uh, it's gone. It is gone. And uh, there is a, a need that I have in my heart right now for Jesus Christ this very day. My mind goes to John the, the 11th chapter when Jesus was called upon to go and pray for Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus. Lazarus was sickened to death and Jesus heard uh, by way of these two sisters that uh, he needed to be prayed for. <clears throat> and so Jesus uh, uh, promised that that he would he would pray, but the situation was that he didn't come right then. He just continued doing what he was doing, and finally, almost incidentally, Jesus came by, and inquired. Of course, uh, Jesus had told the disciples before before he got there that Lazarus is dead, uh, <clears throat> and then of course. When he got there and he began to talk uh, with the sisters, the sisters informed him that Lazarus indeed was dead and uh, that uh, he had come too late. And you know, uh, <clears throat> this story reminds me so much of people today. There are a lot of people that live today without any hope. Uh, <clears throat> if Jesus had have only been here, if he would have come my way, but he didn't. And so I'm just kind of trapped with the present. It's not going to be any better. It's just like, you know, it's just, that's just the way it is. I've got monumental situations that I can't overcome. don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus then begins to talk to these sisters. And, and uh, <clears throat> he told these sisters that <clears throat> thy brother shall rise again. And... Uh, of course, uh, Martha said unto him in verse 24 of John 11, I know that thou, that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Future tense. The last day. He's going to come back. He is. He's going to come back. Now, I know that there are times in which uh, scriptures concerning the future are so applicable. If... Uh, God calls you home, and if I am in charge of your service, uh, I will probably uh, talk to your loved ones about the day of the resurrection. 
I don't know of a funeral I've had, which a person went to meet the Lord, that I didn't talk about the day of the resurrection. <clears throat> it has its place. But you see, Jesus was there right then. <clears throat> and uh, they did not understand. Jesus said unto Martha, I am the resurrection and the, and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Now, for some reason, they didn't understand the power of Jesus Christ. He was there with them. He said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Oh, but Jesus, you should have come. In other words, they looked back to the past and what he should have done. Or they looked to the future as to what he's going to do. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And this is what people need today. They need to understand that God is more than just a memory of the past. He's more than an expectation of tomorrow. That he indeed is alive today and is doing great things for his people. Do you know that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins today? He can. You don't have to wait until tonight's service. You don't have to wait until next week. You don't have to wait until our revival service is in the book, uh, in the month, rather, of May. You don't have to wait for that. You can, you can be forgiven of your sins right here this morning, April 10th, 1994. Praise God. In fact, you don't even have to wait until I finish preaching. You can lift your hands right where you are. Or lift your voice up to God and you can ask the Lord to forgive you. God can forgive you right while I preach. <clears throat> My mind goes back a few years ago. I was preaching. I was preaching on a very similar subject. I was talking to a group of people. There was a lady visiting with us. She was sitting back about where Peggy Thomas, raise your hand, Sister Thomas, about where Sister Peggy uh, it's sitting, it was in our old building, but that was approximate location from the pulpit. And as I began to preach, she put her head down, and uh, then she began to, to sob. I could hear her sobbing while I was preaching. Then she just turned and knelt right down there between the pews. We had pews in the old building. She knelt down between the pews, and she began to call out to God. I stopped the service, went back and prayed for her. And... Uh, then I went on my way. I came back and prayed for her. I noticed when I came back that this lady was speaking with other tongues as the Spirit uh, gives the utterance. And as I lay hands on her again, prayed for her, she began to speak in English. Uh, uh, then I left her. I came back. She was speaking in tongues again. I lay hands on her again, prayed for her. Of course, there were other people praying at this time. We had stopped the service because of her. Uh, then when I lay hands on her several times and she began to speak in English, she looked up at me and she was crying and God's Spirit was resting upon her. The Shekinah of God, the glory of God was just beaming from her. And uh, through all those tears in the glitter of her eye, uh, you could just see her beaming inwardly. You know, she was smiling inwardly. But she told me, she said, I don't know what's wrong with me. She said, I, I'm sorry. She said, you know, when you come and and lay hands on me, she said. I, I don't, I, I don't know what happened. She said. Uh, I, 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 well, she said. At least I, I'm able to gain my composure when you come around. Uh, I began to talk with. Her. I didn't know what you're saying. She said. 
Well, you know, when I leave, she said, I, I, I can't even speak right. There's just something different. And so I opened my Bible and I began to tell her. For the first time in her whole life, Donna Hudson read in the Scripture how they received the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts. All of a sudden, I mean, a light came on. She said, you mean to tell me that I received the Holy Ghost just like they did back in Bible days? I said, yes, Donna. My, she lifted her hands, and this time when I lay hands on her, she began to speak with tongues, and she did not try to speak perfect English. She understood that a real experience with God was not something that people used to have or something God's going to do for tomorrow, but it's something she could have right then, that very moment. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. And God filled her with the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'm here today to tell you that God can give you the Holy Ghost right here in this place, this a.m. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. You can have it right now. <clears throat> Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <coughs> oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Last Sunday morning, at the end of our service, you saw us give the certificate. Leslie Izell came. We baptized her in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was just a week or so before. She came up to the altar. A group of people came around, lay hands on her. And God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And she spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. You know, that's a, that's a real, valid Bible experience. I talked with a minister of the same denomination that I'd made reference to about losing so many people, that is, traditional religion, and how it became so great, and, and it was just, a, however, uh, they, they were living on the past. He came into my living room and talked with me, and he said, you know, I'm not too good at spiritual things. He said, uh, <clears throat> you know, their church had turned more into a social club. It's... It's, you know, how many uh, card games can we play and how many socials can we have and uh, how many uh, times of fellowship can we have and uh, got all of our suppers going and all this. Now, I'm not against fellowship, but that's all you have going, my friend. You don't have much going at all. You don't have much going at all. And he told me, he said, you know, I just, I just uh, don't know much about spiritual things. Uh, I began to talk with him about the Scripture. He had a couple of ladies in the church that had received the Holy Ghost. That was the thing. And he said he had a problem. He didn't know what to do. I said, well, the only time we consider we have a problem is when we've got a couple that won't receive it. <clears throat> he said, well, I don't really understand this. So when I began to go in the Scripture, he said, I thought that was just for people back in the days of the Bible. I said, oh, no. We talked about divine healing. He said, well, we have doctors today, and uh, so we don't need divine healing. It all boiled down to this. When I talked with him, he said, well, what do you think God does for people today? He said, well, I'm not really for sure. He said, I know that we serve as encouragement to each other. And <clears throat> so he tried to, to uh, validate all of his fellowship uh, gatherings by saying that, <clears throat> well, uh, <clears throat> I, I guess, you know, uh, as long as we encourage each other to live morally pure and everything's going to be all right problem is that 
There are too many people with problems and too many hungry souls. Young people walk away and they want something that's alive and real. <clears throat> Went into a room one time where there was a young lady. She had, this back during the days, the in in the late, well, it was early 70s, this was. And, uh, quite a few young people throughout the city had their coffee houses and, and places of <coughs> fellowship. And I went in and uh, <coughs> I began to talk to these young people about the Holy Ghost and what God could do. And one young lady rose right up against me. And uh, she said, Dad. I don't believe a thing you're telling. It's like this. I said, uh, you know, I had, I had just had an all-night prayer meeting. I just prayed all night. I'm not saying this to, to brag or anything. I'm just telling you the situation. And the Lord spoke to me and told me to tell her, and I did. Her name was Colette. I said, Colette, I said, you're lying to me. I said, now recently, God's been dealing with your heart. And you know what she did? She broke down. She started weeping, crying right then. I mean, she just, I meant sobbing. Well, all the other young people that were, were giving me a hard time, they looked at her like, what's going on? And, you know, she looked up to them and she said, you know, he is right. She said, my, my grandmother's dying of cancer. And I love my grandmother. And I don't want my grandmother to die. And she said, I've been, I've been praying. She said, just last night I... I tossed and tumbled all night long praying for my grandmother. I had all the young people in that room to just hold hands, and they did, as we went to Colette and lay hands on her and prayed that God would heal her grandmother. When I left that room that day, all those young people were sobbing. I quoted some scripture. I read from a New Testament I had in my pocket. I felt when I left out of the doors of that coffee house for the rich that those young people had hope that God could do something for them today. You go to church any place? No, I dropped out because it's boring. It's boring to everybody. He even seems to be boring to the preacher. Someone just told me a story. It just shocked me. It told me about a church uh, here in the state. <clears throat> what they did, they, they moved in a, a big screen television. So as soon as the Sunday morning services are over, they, they pull the big screen out <clears throat> in a fellowship area, and they, they all go in and and they, they, they serve dinner, but what they do, they, they, they sit down and watch the ball games. Uh, it's a way that they've increased attendance. <clears throat> so whatever the sport is, uh, whatever the season is, that's what they're going to watch. So we just pull the screen out, and, and the ladies are cooking meals, and we pay so much, and it's a way to raise funds and still enjoy church. My friend, that's not church, though. You're enjoying something else. Well, you see, crises do come. Problems do arise. What are you going to do then? I want to tell you something. When you're confronted with death or you're confronted with a, 
the death of a loved one. I don't care how high people get on football. It's not going to satisfy your heart then. It's not going to satisfy. There's going to be something inside. You'll go turn the TV set off and go someplace in a, in, in a quiet place. And you'll reflect and you'll think. And you may ask yourself, what is the purpose of life? You may ask, why me? Why is this happening to my loved one? All those questions may surface. But everything in life at that moment seems to be cheap, frivolous, and fading. You want something that's real. Something that's important. That's why I tell people, get to the house of God. It doesn't make any difference what you do in life. I don't care how important you may seem. it may seem that tomorrow's events or this afternoon's events, or whatever. Get to the house of God! Because you see, everything else is going to pass away. And one of these days you're going to look back and you'll say, I, I must come to the house of God. I must feel His Spirit. I must feel His presence. I need something that's vibrant. I need something that's alive. I need something that's real. Something that's genuine. Something that's lasting. I beg Parents, bring your young people to the house of God. Bring your children to the house of God. I've seen them refuse to do that. Their children then was lost to the world. And after their children was lost to the world and had multiple marriages and monumental problems, they found their way back to the house of God only to say, it's just too late. <clears throat> I've never yet had an aged person to come into my office and say, Pastor, I made one mistake. And I say, what is that? I spent too much time with my family in church. Took them too much. Never have had that happen. I've had family after family to tell me, I'm sure glad I brought them to the house of God. But I'm going to tell you something. I've had person after person after person to file into my office and say, I made one mistake. What's that? I wasn't faithful to the house of God. I didn't bring them to the house of God. You can understand why people can give up on church and give up on God. You know, if you're attending a church where nothing ever happens, the total service is probably 45 minutes long, and it's just enough time for a good nap. And that's about it. And then you leave. You can understand. But I'm here to tell you, my friend, doesn't have to be that way. That God speaks to men just as vividly in this generation as He ever has in any generation. That God can fill you with His Spirit today. He can heal your body today. He can deliver you today from all manner of sicknesses and diseases, from devil possession, from addictions. God can do it today! And you don't have to have your mind on tomorrow. He can do it today. Right here today. Right here today. You know why this man's running around church? Because he was one of those who was recently delivered from alcohol and drugs. God filled him with the power of the Holy Ghost, my friend. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. My Jesus, my Jesus, 
You know, he still drinks today. He just drinks with, from a different bottle. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He's drunk today, but he's drunk on new wine from heaven. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that thus saith God in the last days, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall dream dreams, and your old men shall see visions. And upon my servants and my handmaidens will I pour out of my Spirit in those days. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Living in the present tense. Make the best of this day. Let this be the greatest day you've ever lived in your life. You see, I dare not even wait till tonight. Because tonight may never come for me. I've got to get what I'm going to get right now. Here. Today. It's been said by many other preachers, but I want to say it again. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Oh, hallelujah. I intend to. I'm going to. I'll get around to it. Let's do it today. 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 You know, when we think of eternity and we think of how long eternity is, I've heard so many preachers preach about eternity. I always appreciate people putting thought into this great subject. Then a book passed around among some of our, of our people about hell. And some of our people read it. Some of our ladies have said, you never want to read this when your husband's uh, working in the evening. It's uh, scary. <clears throat> Just, I really don't know what it's like <clears throat> outside of what the Bible says. And I think that in this book, as far as this lady claims she had a vision, uh, some people called it fictitious. I'm sure the Bible doesn't say all that there is to say about hell. Just like I believe the curtain is pulled on eternity from the standpoint of the Lord. The Holy City. A lot of wonderful and marvelous things. We don't know all of it. We don't know the whole story. <clears throat> but I know this. Even though we sing Amazing Grace and we talk about being in heaven, we say when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to spend God's praise than when we first began. The reason why is because in eternity... There's no way to measure duration. No way at all. See, God appointed the sun and God appointed the moon to serve the time for days and seasons. This is the way we have to measure duration. In the Holy City, there won't be a sun, there won't be a moon. There won't be a night. For Jesus will be the light of the city. 
That's what the Bible tells us. But there's something that is extremely important for us to remember. That the greatest span of eternity is not then. And it wasn't back then. But the greatest element of eternity, the greatest span of eternity, is the ever-present now. You see, it'll always be now. There never will be anything else but now. When your tomorrow rolls around, it'll still be now. You will not escape now. If God takes you from this earth and changes your status by allowing you to go and be in his presence, or if you're cast out of his presence, it'll still be the ever-present now. It never will be anything but now. The psalmist says, God is a present help. He wants you, I'm talking about God, wants you, not to consider the past when you think of your need and not to consider a God that's able to do it tomorrow. But God wants you to consider now the present. How many of you need something from God today? Would you lift your hand? Why not get it today? See. Why not get it now? Why even think about waiting till tonight? Just dig in right now with faith. Start praying right now. You want to you want your sins washed away? Ask God to forgive you right now. You want to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Get it right now. You want to become a great prayer warrior for the Lord? Then start praying right now. You want to be spiritual? Be spiritual now. Live in the present tense. This is the only way that life will ever be productive, is to live for the present. I don't mind telling you, I need a touch of God today. I don't mind telling you that. When I went to the Lord in prayer this morning, my heart was so heavy. God, I need you right now. I feel that God wants to do something for someone right now. If you never ask God to forgive you of your sins, why don't you just get right up and come down here and kneel right here in the front. Many have. I don't know how many hundreds of people have knelt on this carpet and asked God to forgive them. Why don't you just come on now? Why wait? Oh, God. Let's all stand. It's, it's a lot easier when we're standing. It's a big, bold step. But it has to be done. Some of you come and pray with this mother.
this baby. Oh. See, this is what I'm talking about. God can do it for her right now. Oh, Shandarahatusakamamandiyantaya. Reach out and touch the Lord. Now he's going to pass your way right now. Come on. Just like this lady has come. Come on right now. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it. Let's pray her through the Holy Ghost. She's ready to receive the Holy Ghost. That's it. Ask God to forgive you right now. Just forgive me, God. I need you, Lord. I love you. Now let's pray her through the Holy Ghost right now. You sisters, gather around real close. Give her instructions. She'll receive the Holy Ghost. God's been dealing with her while I was preaching yet today. And you know, God can meet your need right now. Why don't you step out right where you are? And come give your heart to the Lord. Come on. He is by this moment. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Reach out and touch the Lord as he passed. Oh, yes. Reach out and touch the Lord. Oh, God can do it right now, this very day. You will find He's Oh, hallelujah. Come on and pray. Come on and seek the Lord. Give your heart to God. He is by this moment. Your need to supply. Reach out and touch the Lord as He passes by. Reach out and touch the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. As He passes by. You will find. He's not stupid. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. To hear your heart's cry. He is passing by this moment. Your need to supply. Reach out and touch the Lord as He passes by. Reach out and touch the Lord as He passes by. You will find He's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He is passing by this boy. 
Fill her with the Holy Ghost. Would you do that? And touch the Lord as He passes by. Reach out. Oh, yes, in Jesus' name. Yes, in Jesus' name. Yes, in Jesus' name. You will find. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He's not too busy to hear your hearts cry. He's baptizing with the Holy Ghost in 1994. Yes, he is. He's filling people with his spirit in 1994. Reach out. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. Oh yes, he's doing this right here today. That's it, all over the building. Let's reach out to God. Whatever your need is, let him supply that need today. What God will do 
if you believe. There is no telling what God will do if you believe. Oh, He'll hallelujah. Now, you see, this lady, Terry Janine, came up here this morning believing God has already baptized her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Let's give God a big hand clap. Oh, hallelujah. Do you believe God is real? Oh, yes, He is. Do you believe He walks among us today? Yes, He does. you believe He's the resurrection of the life today? Oh, yes. Not just tomorrow, not just yesterday, but this very day. Hallelujah. And there is no telling what God can do for you today if you believe Him. He'll save your soul. He'll make you happy. He'll make you whole. There is no telling what God can do if you believe. Telling what God will do if you believe. There is no telling what God will do if you believe. He'll heal your body, He'll save your soul, He'll make you happy. He'll make you whole. There is no telling what God will do if you believe. Okay. Terry has been filled with the Holy Ghost and she wants to be baptized today. Praise God. So we're going to baptize her here today in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't this great? Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's life in Jesus' name. There's cleansing, there's healing in Jesus' Believe in Him, love unto Him, receive from His power in Jesus' name. There's life for you this hour. Now we will be baptizing here in just a few moments. And also I understand that we have some parents from one of our bus routes that came in. And their daughter, Monica, is wanting to be baptized. Is that correct? Monica, stand up, would you? Lift up your hand. Would you do this, hon? All right, Mom and Dad are here to see Monica get baptized. So we'll, we'll be coming back and talking to you and to your parents, okay? Let's go ahead and sing. Oh, hallelujah. His power in Jesus' name, there's life for you. There's 
receive from his power in Jesus' name. There's life for you this 